That is a crime. <laughs> the police are on their way, Michael. <laughs> we actually wow. might be the food police. <laughs> we have, yeah, you started this, And though. this has been the So Poetry Food Corner. <laughs> so wait, what's your topping that you would get mad at, though? Um, oh, yeah, we never circled back. Uh, baby turtles. Um, what? Oh, I didn't know <laughs> we could say anything. I thought it was like something you could buy at a pizza store. <laughs> Oh, um... <laughs> what? <laughs> like, they order, like, and put some baby turtles. <laughs> Just, uh, hurry up with the baby turtles. <laughs> um... Oh, my Hello, friends, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 6 of So Poetry. Um, I am really, really excited about this episode. Um, I have a returning guest, Anne-Marie Brockmeyer, and a new guest, Michelle Juno, um, who are, as I stated on various social media, that they are um, two of my absolute absolute favorite people um, that I currently, I currently and through it, like, and past included, that I've, that I've had in my life. So, Aww, it's, that's nice. <laughs> And review. <laughs> Ooh, we should do people reviews. <laughs> That's another another podcast, another time. May, if we have time at the end, we can okay. we can review some people. Um, <laughs> um, so anyway, um, the main reason that I'm very excited to talk to them is uh, they have both recently um, delved into writing poetry. And it's been kind of a, a dream of mine to get people on the podcast. Because I, like, you know, it's, it's a poetry podcast. Um, so a dream of mine has been to, um, to get people on the podcast who are new to writing poetry, but at a point in their life that they can be, um, that they are aware of and mindful and articulate about what that process has been like for them. Um, so Michelle... Um, is a nonfiction author, but you, you can you can talk a bit about yourself and what what you're up to. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's your favorite thing. Yeah, I'm so good at that. Uh, yeah, so I would say that I'm a essayist and a memoirist. I suppose the memoirs suggest more okay so juicy details to me than I have. So what what would be the this is hopefully a small tangent, but for you, what's the difference between memoirist and essayist? Uh, I feel like memoirist. Typically, is looking, and this might not be right. Uh, it's typically, I think of a memoirist as writing a complete memoir, more full length, oh, okay. or endeavoring to tell a specific story. Okay. Uh, whereas I feel like essayist is less, it's not less creative nonfiction, but. Um, it's more like exploratory. Yeah. Okay. At least that's the way I think of it. I know so, people think of creative nonfiction and nonfiction in so many different ways. Oh. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. because I feel like nonfiction to me would be like a biography of George Washington, but it's not. Like... <laughs> Only that. <laughs> right. That's that the one nonfiction yes. book. Slice of life. <laughs> yes. So, like, your, uh, your two collections, would you consider those, like, essay collections? I would consider the first one an essay collection. So the first one, which was my thesis collection, mm-hmm. and the floor was always lava, was both micro-essays and longer essays about childhood. Whereas the second one I would almost consider almost experimental. Okay. 
Um, I think there were, it was not. With the, uh, the second one being notes from my phone. Notes from my phone. Uh, so and kind of crossing over with poetry a little bit. Other people have called it poetry. I okay. I would not have considered it that, but a lot of people have considered it. So you it you poetry. have been potentially writing poetry before the poems that you recently started writing. Yes. Ooh. I'm that good at it. <laughs> <laughs> that I do it by accident. Um, yeah, so I didn't consider it that, mm-hmm. but I didn't consider it writing at all. So, what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and my other guest is Andrew Brockmeyer. Um, and you have been literary adjacent for an avid reader, an avid thinker and talker on of writing. But is this... I know that you wrote a couple poems previously, but is this mm-hmm. like... Have you ever made like big steps into writing before? Did we did we talk about this the last time you were on the episode the, the podcast? I don't know. I should have listened to that. That was that was years on. ago. It was. Yeah, it was yeah I had no ago. idea. <laughs> I think I was like one of the first ones. Yes, yeah. I think yeah. I want to say you were like the third, third, third or fourth guest. Um, I have no idea. So go listen to that one. Yeah. <laughs> um. I also like the word avid talker. I'm definitely going to start saying that. Um, I, yeah, so I am a huge reader. Um, I used to help out with, like, our really small, like, lit mag that we kind of went... Oh, yeah, um, industry nice. I published something in there. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Check that out. I don't know if our website's up. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I've just, I've, like, have been around writers for a long time. And I think, actually... That has both helped me feel like I could write mm-hmm. and also made me feel like I can't call myself a writer. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, like I, I felt like, oh, all these people that I love and are cool are doing this thing that like I would love to do. Oh, shit, they're very good at it. <laughs> um, and that was a little um, scary to me. But I've kind of written poetry like on and off for handful of years now um but it mostly is just like when I want to process something Mm -hmm. um I'll write really quick and then it's like not good and then I like don't look at it again um okay so it's like you generate like first or rough drafts and then and then like never go back to them okay and then I've like submitted things every once in a while to to different things like I I read some poems um really early on maybe the very first Reading of Writers and Words. Oh, yeah, you were the wild yeah. card. I was the wild card, yeah. which I loved. I love the concept of a wild card because it had no no pressure on me at all. So, like, I could have done anything. Right. Um, I read some poems. That was my very first time I ever read poems in public. Um, I published, or I submitted some poems to y'all, I guess, and it came in that little tiny, cute chat book. Yeah. Um, and then I was recently published and read for uh, Babe Press's Nasty. Um, their anthology. I yeah. have two poems in there, and I read at one of their readings at the Pratt Library, which was cool, reading at the Pratt Library. But I <laughs> chose um, poems that had a lot of cursing in them. <laughs> and I actually chose a poem that has the word "fuck" in it like twenty times or something. That's how. And that's how you tell it's a good poem. Yeah, I. I mean, I said "fuck" like every every line started with "fuck something, fuck something," and. The library, I thought, oh, we're going to be in, like, a back room. And it was, like, in the open library. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't bring anything else. <laughs> I have to read this. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I've been, like, ramping up 
mind okay. poetry. Yeah. In 2018, actually, one of my resolutions was to write at least a poem a month. Ooh. How, it's a great resolution. How do you have three? I actually have, like, eight. <gasps> yeah. That you've, that you've written so far in the... In 2018. In the, that's amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Um, and you, how are you, how's your poetry coming? Are you... That's a great question. <laughs> um, so, well. I think, so I also am a little afraid of poetry because I have so many writer friends and poet it, friends. It, it, like, it eats your feet like a big snake. Oh, you're such a poet. <laughs> <laughs> See what I'm saying? Um, no, I, I'm a little afraid of it because at my my technique and like my skill is not matching what I want it to be. Mm-hmm. So I get really intimidated by it. But all that to say, I write it a lot in the middle of the night when I can't sleep. That seems to be my poetry time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, um, I read a couple of articles, articles about this, that there's like scientific research as to why um, like certain conversations happen can only happen like super super late at night Mm because it's like something to do with like the serotonin and like suppressing the like filter areas of your brain like that way like your body starts naturally producing some some chemical and by the that time at night like all your filters and all your things are like shut down so you can be you can access these things that are like deeper or more honest or at least Mm -hmm. um maybe not necessarily more honest but less um like curtailed by yeah. inner critic or like, should I say this? Should I not say this? You're that's just it. like, fuck it. I'm saying it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really helpful way of putting it because that's, I like writing so much because I can edit it mm-hmm. and my, my purposeful nonfiction is very edited <laughs> and very, here's where I'm going with this and I'm building this puzzle and poetry. What intrigues me about it is the same thing that totally freaks me out about it is that like, I don't, it's a little more raw mm-hmm. and I'm really attracted to that because there are certain things that I think need to be captured in that rawness right. and that emotion, mm-hmm. but it freaks me out. And the, it's raw. I feel like, I feel like the challenge, um, and I, I, I feel like this might be, um, a challenge that is unique in the revision of poetry is being able to like, to hold on to that rawness and mm-hmm. that power and that like, um, intensity and immediacy while you like sharpen it and make it you know, like more evocative or more like you're you're changing the communicative properties of the poem to make it better understood or like the, this image a lot starker or something mm-hmm. um i actually up until oh i don't know maybe like halfway through grad school um i didn't really edit or revise my poems like at all <laughs> oh well <laughs> No, like, I, um... Let me describe Anne-Marie's face right now. <laughs> no, like, I I recognize now that it was... I didn't do it, and not doing it was a extreme detriment to my mm. writing. Um, because up until... There was, a, there was a poetry class that I took with Kendra. Um, and we read an article that was written about... Uh, I think it was Rita Dove. And, like, the, the article was, like, about her and her revision process... And you see a poem that she's working on in like five or six stages of being revised. Mm-hmm. Um, That's really interesting. So you get the sort of like the the interviewer, the the whoever's whoever the author was of the article, like just talking about and describing her revision style, and then you see it 
being implicated um, or like put into practice in as the poem changes throughout the piece. Um, and that was like that paired with, um, I think it was Richard Hugo, maybe? I don't know. It was some other like critical poet thinker um, who said that like in, in revising the poem, you are beholden to nothing but the poem. Um, which for me, like seeing that those two pieces came like coalesced for me and up until that point, I saw revision as a, as like a medical, almost like a, like a surgical issue that like there is, you, there is a poem, there are things wrong with the poem and you go in and you fix it, like you make it better. And after that, that shift, like revision suddenly became to me a much more like intimate and personal interaction with the poem and the idea of like taking the spark that that um set off this piece and doing what you can to build it into a fire that's able to sustain itself yeah. so like you and the things like the movements that you're making the things that you're doing are to the poem specific so like is this image working is this line is this stanza working and everything is dependent upon like where does the poem want to go and what can i do to to get it there um because that like really i felt freed me up from um, like in workshops and stuff where you get a bunch of feedback from everybody and like, oh, you should try this. Oh, you should maybe do this. Oh, I think this. And most of the time I didn't follow any of their <laughs> advice, but it got me thinking about like, okay, well, there is this image that I had here and this person's seeing it as this, this person's understanding is this. Like this one person gets it, but not really in the way that I wanted. So it makes me, to begin, it made me think like, what can I do to change how this is worded so that what I have in my head is what... Yeah. Um, but just the idea that, like, you were working, you know, like, if there's a line or a stanza that's amazing but doesn't work for the piece, you just, like, you take it out and you put it somewhere else. Because I always thought that's, like, if there's this awesome line and you get rid of it, it's gone. Like, you just, you can, like, highlight it, delete it, that's it. You know, it's, like, and that what always that made me... It sounds like maybe you just don't understand how computers work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like... No, you want to control copy, not control text. No, but like the the idea that like if a line wasn't working in a poem, it like there's something wrong with the line, and the line right. needs to be like needs to go away, as opposed to like oh I can just like this is a great line, it doesn't work with the poem, so I can just take it and like stash okay. it somewhere yeah. until there's a like there's obviously this is going to work in something, but not this piece. Um, so I think that um, sorry I, that caught me mid burp. Um, I think that the the idea like I don't do you feel that way when you're when you're revising essays that like there's this um I don't know that like you're because you said that it's much more you feel it's much more calculated or much more like you have an idea of like you're these you, these are the the edits and the movements that you're making to to yeah. arrive at a particular place so I think with essay now that I've been I was not comfortable in grad school at all. I feel like the first night of grad school, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, yeah, that was also, but this like... no good. I feel like creativity was <laughs> kind of a like a... terrible mistake. It was a very interesting first yeah. class to have. No, I mean, like, my first nonfiction class. Oh, 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 oh. They were like, um, you want to read your piece aloud? I was like, oh, to all these people? <laughs> yeah, that's when I realized how young I was. Um, so, but I feel really confident in my essay making now. Mm -hmm. And the... I, I was thinking about it today, of... The difference is, so I feel like I write uh, the same way you would put a puzzle together, and that's kind of the joy of it for me. Mm -hmm. I rarely am like, I'm going to write this thing, and then I'm going to connect this other thing. Typically, I, I use writing as a coping mechanism, and so 
I figure out what I'm trying to say as I'm saying it, and then fill in the puzzle pieces. Right. I think I'm trying to do the same thing with poetry, but I never, I haven't gotten the picture of what the puzzle's supposed to be. And so I'm just, like, fitting pieces. Like, I'm just, like, throwing things on a page. And it's not... I haven't figured out my rhythm of how okay. I'm creating. Because the, there's so many things for me of... I, you know, the movement of it. The I really like the sound of the words is really important mm-hmm. to me. But even just the graphic nature of it is really important to me. So, like, I'm making line breaks of how they look on the page. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, that's that's a totally valid way to do line okay, breaks. Okay, good. Because... That's what I'm like. No, I don't like that word there. No, like I'm making it graphic design choices. Yeah, as no, I and like I, I feel like, um, and I'm interested to have what you're like with like line breaks and stuff. How mm-hmm. how you break them, but um, I when I do it, it's more of a like, this is a unit of like breath for me. When mm-hmm. I so each mm-hmm. each line is like this is kind of a measure of breath, and this is like the smallest or the longest unit of breath that I want this to be, and then we move on. To the next thing um so i don't i don't necessarily break on like the end of a sentence but for me it's like the kind of the end of an i like a small unit of an idea that gets mm-hmm. me to the next line for you emory mm-hmm. like the with your poetry have you have you noticed a like a trend in um how you're breaking things do you do it to like i really want this one particular line to stand out because it's a fantastic line is it metered at all? Is it more of like a, a visual or just like an intuitive, like rhythmically, this is <laughs> this is how this thing needs to be. And I don't really know why, but this is how, like when I read it, this is where I naturally want to, to like chop a line mm-hmm. off. Well, so I, I've never ever taken a writing class. Okay. Um, even in undergrad. Mm-hmm. Um, I took one literature class in undergrad. And that was, that's like the closest I've gotten. Like I've never ever taken any kind of writing. Um, I've never really formally workshopped before um, until recently. And so I um, don't understand form. <laughs> like, I know that it exists. Okay. <laughs> and I think actually that, like, reminds me of, like, the puzzle, yeah. right? Like, forms are, like, the puzzles. Um, and to me, that's too stressful. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know how to fit, like, my feelings into a form yet. Mm-hmm. Um, or my, my thoughts or my words into a form Although maybe eventually I would want to, and I think that would help with like line breaks go sometimes for specific forms go in right. certain places. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah, so what the way I do line breaks now is just kind of like where I feel like where my heart feels like it yeah, should. Yeah, that's <laughs> and that's so also a totally yeah. valid like, and I I feel like with. And I don't like I don't want to paint poetry as this sort of, like you know metaphysical mystical whatever, but I. At least for me, when I'm working with poetry versus like, you know, like writing an essay or, you know, the attempts that I've made at short story writing and stuff, um, I feel like there's much more intuition involved with poetry. That it's like I I do certain things, but I'm not 100% sure or like, I know that I'm not 100% conscious of or cognizant of like why I'm doing this thing other than just like, yeah, this feels like this needs to like, these this word needs to be on the next line or like this idea needs to be like there needs to be a stanza break here um just because it like it feels right um and with like music i i'm that sensation is is not alien to me because when i do music it's mostly by like ear and feel i'm not like thinking about oh this is a major fifth or this is like a c major whatever and i have to move here to make it 
match is just like, does this sound? Nope, that doesn't sound good. Okay, that sounds good. I'm going to move there now. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's like a couple ways that I will decide where to break. Like, it's either because like, oh, this line has to be by itself mm-hmm. or... Or because, like, oh, all of these are the same kind of word in the beginning of each stanza, so I'm going to, like, break there. Or even just, like, oh, this looks cool if I indent this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And sometimes I've done, I started doing this thing that um, I've seen a lot of other poets do, and I really like it, where you break in the middle of a thought, where the word you break can go with either Mm -hmm. the end of the first line or the beginning of the second line, Mm -hmm. and, like, where you break it kind of adds a different emotion behind it. Mm-hmm. But that is, like, a thing that I'm doing that I don't know if it's being received the way I think, like, ooh, I did this thing, I'm so clever. <laughs> and then right. I'm, I'm not really sure if that it is clever yet. Um, Would that, mm-hmm. if you were to break a line internally like that, like put yeah. some space between, like Anthony has done, yeah, Anthony that's Ball, how... frequent, hmm. maybe not frequent guest, but in <laughs> what, spirit, I feel like, pre- feel like in spirit, <laughs> frequent guest of So Poetry. I usually think of it, like, when I'm talking about stuff, he's usually, like, not far away from the internal monologue. Um, No, but I I feel like some of his recent poetry he's done where it'd be, like... He does that a lot. Like, the internal break. Does that... Mm -hmm. Would that change the way that you read the line if you were to read that poem or any of the poems that you do that aloud? Totally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I've seen... So he's one of the poets that I've seen do it a lot, and Mm -hmm. it's been, like... I've always been really impressed with the way he does it. Um, and I think when you read it, in like, internally, when you read his poems internally, you kind of just, like, for me, sometimes I'll just, like, kind of rush through, and, like, it won't be in the same way that you read it out loud. Mm-hmm. But then when I hear him read it out loud and he takes, like, a breath at the end of the line, then you can hear that emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've tried to start reading poetry that way a little bit more when I'm reading internal. It's like okay. I try to like pause a little bit at the end of each line right. to see if they if they were trying to do something cool. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like it happens and sometimes it's not and that's fine, but um so yeah. do you like do like commas or line breaks or internal line breaks or stanza breaks have like a certain measure of or certain like standard unit of pause? or breath for you or not yet like like if you were if you were to read like a st- like something something stands a break single line stands a break something 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 would each of those stands a breaks for you carry the same sort of like even if it's like a half of a beat of a pause like a whole like a stanza break or versus a line break so stanza break to me is like a paragraph like okay. a new paragraph <laughs> okay um and like a line break is just like it could even just be part of the same set same sentence. I don't know. I'm trying to think of it in the way of, like, prose. Because yeah. mm-hmm. that's what I'm comfortable with more. Right. Um, and then sometimes I'll, like, put commas in if I want that person to take a breath. Or I'll just put a period in something mm-hmm. um, at the end of a thought. So it's very similar. I try to... It's like almost I'm writing in prose, like, a, so almost you, a formulated you, poem. Do you write in, like, complete sentences when you write poetry? No. Okay. Um, but, but sometimes. Okay. I mean, sometimes I do. But not really. You? I think I fight it. The okay. copy editor in me wants some grammar in there, but also right. I want I want all the grammar or I want none. Okay. And by grammar I mean punctuation, really, because it I'm a rule follower, so I need I need some kind of rules mm-hmm. 
whether it's no rules or all the rules. Like I, I need feel like you would like form poetry. I think I would. I think I'm really just like. I think that. I'm just really intimidated by it because it seems so. Well, if it you seems so like, here. If you, I mean, if you're, if you're. I put my hand above my head. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how many like physical gestures I actually kind of like translate <laughs> right. over an audio audio medium. Um, no, I think like if you well. I have a question, and then I have, a, I guess, a comment or a comment on a question. Um, if you were if you were approaching poetry as if it's like a puzzle that needs to be fit together, then I agree with Amory that like form writing would be perfect for you because it really it's like you have you have the structure, and it's just a matter of like how can I like arrange the words or arrange these thoughts to fit this given structure. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious, like, do you do you foresee like your your approach to poetry shifting from the way that you do essays is like this is a puzzle that needs to be assembled or like that needs to be filled out to something else yeah i see what you're saying like do you think that you that you will eventually or like that you will approach poetry in a different uh like creative right like, is it place? Am I trying to do the same thing I'm doing an essay with poetry, right. or is it a break from what I'm doing in right. creative nonfiction? Short answer is I don't know. <laughs> um, so I think I think what I'm really one of the things I think I'm attracted to both for different reasons, and I just need to pick a place, start, and commit, and try it, mm-hmm. and try the other thing. I think what if, attracts me to the kind of no rules, no holds barred is the same thing that I accidentally did with notes from my phone. phone. Mm -hmm. And it was so powerful for so many people, not because the content spoke to them, because the content's a little melodramatic, for all being honest. Um, Like, there are people who are like, yeah, I wasn't super into the content, but the honesty Mm -hmm. of it was really attractive to people, which was the thing I was most scared of. Right. Um, But it really spoke to people, and I liked that being authentic and messy Mm -hmm. in that way spoke to people yeah so i think doing poetry kind of this no rules like it would allow me to be kind of that messy kind of not neurotic person right that i am but i am the neurotic person so i'm really attracted to the formulas of like okay let me fit it fit this in uh mandy may does form poetry yes beautifully mm-hmm. and i'm amazed you, you by should give it. a sestina oh. a shot yeah her sestinas i'm i don't even understand it and it, like the form of you it, but I to, like the start formula. With a, a villanelle or a pantoom that might. Well, like maybe like an A B A B type. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe we start small, like you know. Well, you could like red. sonnets are, are really good places to start because they're like if you follow the meter, they're a very like, you know, there's a, it's a repeating rhyme scheme. Mm-hmm. There's like it's twelve lines and then like a a couplet yeah, at the end. That's not a bad idea. Um, as just like you know. So you, you have, like, standard, you know, Shakespearean sonnets, and then you have... I don't know if this is true or not, but I've, I've heard this, I want to say, from multiple sources, that, like, either E.E. E. Cummings did a collection of sonnets, or most of his poems are, like, you could... They are essentially just very, very deconstructed sonnets. Like, if you took a, um, like, a cubist, like, if you gave Picasso a sonnet, like, what... E. E. He would come up with something like E.E. E. Cummings... That's interesting. I'm gonna think about that. Not like, not not a like. I don't know. I don't know if Picasso wrote poetry, but like if you if you if you took a sonnet and then applied like cubist shit to it, 
like multiple perspectives being right. viewed at the same time, you wind up with stuff that E. Cummings was producing. Okay, that makes sense. So like in the form, like you can push the form if 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 that's true and E. e. Cummings did like most of his stuff was essentially just very like experimental sonnets. You can push the form really, really far. Mm-hmm. Um, but but you, using you could it also sort of like as a way to, an entry point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, form may be a good entry point for me. Mm-hmm. I hated I hated writing form. And yet you wrote haiku. Yeah. For years and years and years. Well, yes, but there's not like. <laughs> that's a form, right? That's a form. form. I, was yes. like, I was like, that's. But it's not. <laughs> it's totally not a like. It's not a structure of like this word. Like you have six words, and each word has to end at the, like come at the end of a stanza, and then you have to do a different order, and then in the last, the last stanza has to be like these. They show up in this order. It's more of just like. Like the idea of like condensing an experience down to like the essence of the thing using words that relate out to like nature and like the yeah, absence of self. <laughs> that's all it is. Yeah. It's just reducing it down to its right. essence. So what I'm saying is a different <laughs> form. <laughs> so there's this form that Anthony has done, and I'm sure a ton of other poets have done, where he has taken lines from other poems and created a poem. Sento. Okay. A sento. Mm-hmm. Those are so cool. So. Okay. Those are a whole lot of fun. I'm about to say an idea that is either really cool or people are like, <laughs> well, edit that out. This is a this is a so poetry first. Okay. Um, so breakups are terrible, right? That's true. I do them a lot. <laughs> and in doing them <laughs> in doing them, music gets me through a lot of things, mm-hmm. right? And there's so many songs that like put my feelings into an art um You gotta you gotta do a series right? of centos. So there's like a small chapbook worth putting, of hold up, just, hold up, dang, you gotta let her get her feelings out. <laughs> I've, I've just been collecting these songs that like have these one lines that I'm like, oh yes, you get me, and I I want to pull all of those lines and put them in this one thing. Yeah, do it. But do I also it. don't know if that's okay. That's yeah, all right, right. Yeah. What do you mean? I can do anything. Like copyright infringement? No, right? It's just one line. It's flattering, is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, yes, I. That's really attractive to me, because yeah. it's like blending these things. Well, I feel like that's more. I mean, it's not. It's not genesis in the sense that you're creating something. I mean, you're creating something new, but it's more of the like. Um, you're like curating a poem mm-hmm. instead of mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I mean, like you know, rede- like uh, erasure poetry is along the same lines yeah. where it's you know like you're, you're not. Um, you are in the process of, you generate something new, but you alter something that is, like, you find something that is existing in, you know, a, a work that already exists. Right. Yes. That. Yeah. Go, I, I would, I think that would be an amazing... Working on it. Got a word document and everything. <laughs> That's how you know it's real. <laughs> so, um, I know that, like, I'm, I try to, to not, like, heavily pull from the questions that I send out in prep for the episodes. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, just because I don't I don't want it to be I, I don't want these things to feel like they are like interviews. So I I try not to be like, okay, okay. I'm going to ask this question and then this question okay. and this question. But and Marie's like, I studied that shit. <laughs> like I looked over all of those I even asked you follow-up no, no, questions. No, no. Like It's not it's not a prescriptive thing. It's just okay. But I am curious like what um Michelle, you and I have talked about this a little bit, but I'm curious for both of y'all, like, what, what was the sort of driving force 
that made y'all consider poetry as like an effective means to mm -hmm. express what you're trying to express like what what made poetry seem like this is a viable thing to contain whatever it is that i'm that i want to express i'll go <laughs> um i'll go and i'll pause <laughs> <laughs> i think there are some things i think there are some things that i are not long enough for an essay mm -hmm. but are really powerful moments that I have to figure, like, essay is not working for them. But I need to capture them in some way. And so they're more like pops of, like, I just need this moment or this feeling. Mm -hmm. Whereas essay, essay can meander, but it typically has a point. Right. And it's not that poetry doesn't have a point. Don't hear me say that, poets. <laughs> but it you, has, like... You wouldn't, if you said that, you would not be far off. From it doesn't have to, like... Well, here's my thesis statement. Right, poetry. yeah. Like, it, it can meander. It can do what it wants to do to get this, to to make this feeling exist. Right, yeah. Like, I was, I was went on a hike um, earlier today in, um, with Tyler Mendelssohn, um, who has begun to dabble a little bit in poetry, too. So <laughs> this is why this came up. But the idea that, like, um, the main difference for me between some form of, like, narrative story and, or, like, narrative prose or whatever in poetry and I feel like, like essays or creative nonfiction kind of straddle the line a little bit. Is that, like, uh, prose is like the main point of it is to convey like a story or a narrative. And there's certain conventions or certain things that you have to do in order to get like, there's a point to this story. You know, like mm -hmm. in in the telling of it, in the like immersing yourself in this world or whatever. And I feel like with with poetry, like you said, it's not necessarily about the story. Even, that, like, I've been reading a lot of uh, Raymond Carver poems, and they're mm -hmm. very, very narrative. They feel like a short stories, which is weird, because the short stories kind of do this, too, that, like, the point of, the, of a poem for me um, is the conveying of some sort, or the arriving at some sort of, conveying of or arriving at some sort of emotional truth in, like, a moment of it. Mm -hmm. Not this whole, like, you know, a story that have, will have potentially many, many moments of some, like, emotional truth or this resonance or whatever. A poem is like, you get one. Like, there's one feeling, one emotion, one something that is the driving force of this poem. And, like, that's where everything, like, everything is working kind of towards, mm -hmm. like, that pop or that, that gut punch or whatever it is. That when you finish a poem, you're like, fuck. Yeah. Um, While you were talking, I figured out how I want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. While you are talking, I was thinking about something else. <laughs> I was totally listening, I promise. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, like essay, the way I edit essay and the way I decide for myself if it's a good essay is I'm constantly asking myself, why should you care? Right. Why should the reader care? Mm -hmm. And I'm the essay answers that question. For poetry, I think for me, it's because I can't not write it. Yeah. You know, like it has to, it, it's actually got nothing to do with you, reader. Right. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I think that... I mean, I definitely, I've had that experience with poetry. It feels easier for me to, like, I feel like stories that are generated, if they're not, if there's no audience for a story, then the story itself, like, what, like, why, mm -hmm. like, you know, what's the point of this? Whereas with poetry, I feel like there's, there's less of a pressure, of, like, if nobody read my poetry, I would still write it. Because it's, it's much more about, and I don't, I don't know. 
other poets that are out there listening, like, let me know if you feel the same way. Um, the idea that, like, when I'm writing poetry, it's, it's about there's something in me that needs to come out, and this is the way that it wants to come out. And, like, I don't care if anybody reads it. It's, like, mm -hmm. the writing of it, or, like, the, the process is for me. The finished product, like, you do, you know, you can read it, you can not read it, whatever. But the act of, like, actually writing this, it's, like, that's something. It's, like, I had to go through that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, the, for prose, not all the time, but I'm just going to make a statement. <laughs> prose is the reader as it is as integral as the author. Right. That you, Poetry, you were, like, sort of collaborating, yeah, like, you were collab. so, this is something I, I mentioned, or, or I thought of uh, earlier today, that, like, with narrative, you are creating another world, like, you are giving the reader another world to inhabit for a little while. Like, there, there's this reality that is not your reality, or not reality that you're kind of, like, ushering the reader into. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with poetry, like, the poet is inviting the reader into, to their that's world really interesting. that's like it, it's you know not necessarily reality because it's very colored by the perception of the poet or the author or whoever but like you are inviting this whoever's reading it's like you're gonna come see the world how i like you're mm -hmm. gonna experience shit the way that i experience it for moments you know um <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot it was great um I feel like I, so I've never really written anything else. I don't really write a whole lot. Um, I'm, well, that's not true. I guess I write like, I've written like book reviews. Or I've written like other like more journalistic things, which is also wild. I have no journalism background <laughs> at all. Um, I tweet a lot. <laughs> Those are kind of like poems. Yeah, they yeah. are. Um, but I, I think the reason why... I wrote, so most of my poetry is, like, memoir-based. So, um, like, autobiographical? Yeah. Same. Yeah. So, I, I think, actually, the reason I choose poetry is because I don't know if I would be able to write longer pieces. Yeah. Also I don't know same. if I have that skill. I don't have the endurance to fight or to write. Yeah. I, I can sprint when it comes to creative, like, liter literative creative things. Yeah. I I'd can't. like to, um, I'd like to try. To write like a, a memoir piece or something like something short but I like an essay kind of form mm -hmm. of memoir but I don't know if I have it in me um, and also I feel like the reason I even kind of started poetry was like if I'm kind of like driving or like walking or mm -hmm. thinking about anything and there's like a line that will come to me I'll just write it down mm -hmm. and I have like a whole page of these lines that like don't really mean anything now because I didn't, like, do anything with them. But they're like, oh, this is a really cool line. And I don't know if that's... Like, it seems like poetry works better with that kind of thinking than, mm -hmm. like, here's one line, let me write an entire memoir around it. Like, right. I don't think that's really a thing. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's really... Especially it if you do, be, like... But... Yeah, I mean, I've definitely... Um, there are... I mean, I can't remember if I've done this recently or not, but there... I was going through some of my old poems, and they were, like lines or like old just like note documents on on my computer and there was a couple of moments of like there was some killer fucking lines and like okay there's a there's a poem that's waiting to be unpacked from mm -hmm. this one particular yeah. like to lead to this moment in a yeah i don't 
Have you have you experienced that where you have like a line you're like, oh, I can I can write an essay to this. Um, I think the closest that's that's almost happened is the and the floor was always loud. They're talking about that game. Oh, okay. Inspired that essay, the title essay. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's another essay in that book that's called "Just Rinse the Damn Dish." <laughs> that's a rule that my dad had. But it's just a listing of the rules, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't call that a straight essay. Like, it's a really fun essay. It's one of my favorite pieces I've mm-hmm. ever written. But I would say that's actually more poetry than, mm-hmm. than essay. So I don't know that I've ever done that. I love that that piece. Thanks. That's I, one of my favorites. I reread it the other day, and I was like, oh, this was actually good. Thank <laughs> you, <Michelle." laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a fun piece. Hmm. Have Has... Oh, do you, I know you read a lot of poetry. Do you, do you find yourself reading a lot of poetry? No, and I was thinking about that recently, of like, why, besides pure laziness. Um, no, I was thinking about, when you were talking about reading versus hearing someone read their stuff, mm. I love to listen to poets. Mm. And I find when I start Ooh. reading it, I don't get it, and then I just feel stupid. Yeah. Which maybe I just haven't listened to enough poets read their work. You know what I mean? Like, I like when poets talk about their stuff. I like when they read it. And then, like, I was at a reading in Philly. <laughs> yeah, and this poet, what's her name? I think it's, I think it's, like, Irene Matthew. I'll look it up. I have her book. She's very, very good. Um, I'd never heard of her before, but she read her poetry, and it was, it was so beautiful and so accessible. Like, it was amazing. And so I bought her book, and then after hearing her... Really loved reading her work. But do you think and had that had I picked it up, I probably would have been like, oh, right, good. yeah. If you if you had approached it the other direction, if you had just read it first or just encountered it without having heard her, do you think that you would I don't have had think the same? So. And I think it's mostly because I'm I am not well read in poetry. Like I think okay. the more I would read it, I would get over that. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know quite what the rules are, or how to approach it, that kind of thing. Yeah, I used to feel like that too when like oh, I'm not smart enough to read this. Like, it's they're, they're trying to do something that's too hard. And I think part of that comes from, like, in high school, the kinds of poets that are taught oh, are, God. like, fucking Yates and shit. Like, I don't yeah. care about Ugh. the old white dudes and, like, their antics. Like, I don't <laughs> care. Antics. Um, but I feel like the more I've read contemporary poets and spe- specifically, like, women or queer poets or poets of color... Like, there's different voices, and mm-hmm. there's also just, like, some poets that I, like, start reading, I'm like, nope, I don't like this, and I just, like, won't read it. And there's other poets that I'm like, oh, this is so good. And luckily, I live with a poet, so he buys a ton <laughs> of poetry, so I don't really have to buy a lot of poetry. That's great. Um, I know. <laughs> and so I, I get to, like, you know, kind of go through, like, he'll yeah. read a book, put it down, and then I'm, like, picking it up right after him. Um but even stuff like getting like poem a day in your mail in your inbox, um, or like following, you know, certain like things on Twitter, like Poetry Foundation or something, and also like or Instagram poetry... they'll post stuff mm-hmm. like Poetry International and um, I think like Poetry or the Poetry Foundation or Poetry dot org mm-hmm. will sometimes post like um, snippets. Copper Canyon Copper Canyon Press is pretty good at like mm-hmm. posting stuff from upcoming collections. And... Yeah. And also, like, Poetry Foundation has a really... There's two poetry podcasts that I listen to. Um, one's from Poetry Foundation. And then the other one, I think, is called, like, Poetry Off the Shelf. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and those are both really good. And so, originally, um, when I was hearing about poetry podcasts, I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> like, 
seriously? Like, you want me to listen to you read a poem and then unpack it? Like, I'm good. Um, but what I really like, so Poetry Foundation, they do, um, it's like a, I don't know, I might be wrong about this, but it's like 30 minutes or 45 minutes of the podcast, and they do like three poems within it. So it's not like they read one poem and then talk about it for 45 minutes, which is what I thought it was, and was like, that's a nightmare. <laughs> um, and they're pretty approachable with it, and sometimes they'll like have the actual poet on, um, and that's cool. And then um, Poetry Off the Shelf is much more approachable, and it's just like, I kind of like this, and this is why I thought it was cool. And... Um, I think those are, those have also helped me feel like a little bit more confident in my reading and not like, oh, I get it now, but more like, I don't have to get it. Like, I don't have to like, there's not a, and maybe this is comes back to your puzzle thing. Like there's a secret unlock code, right? but there's not, I mean, there is a thing that the poet was trying to convey and you may or may not get that, but like. Whatever, it's your baby now. They put that baby in the world, and you got it. And, like, it's they your They put that baby in a cake. <laughs> okay, that wasn't on the podcast earlier, so I think it's confusing. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so I think, like, there's not a right or wrong way, but I feel like it took me a long, long time to move away from that thinking. Yeah. Especially because in high school... Like there's they, there is the, the, the teacher one, is like the no that to, is the wrong way yeah. to read it yeah and like exactly. how dare you <laughs> so, have a worksheet for each poem yes and so, it makes you feel stupid for yeah. real yeah so there there are a couple of things that I feel I'm chomping at the bit to to say um, one of them is there is a really really phenomenal book by Matthew Zabruder called Why Poetry mm-hmm. that I would I would recommend to both of y'all and to any listeners that are like. Um, that feel worried or have some hesitation about getting into like reading poetry or writing poetry or just talking or learning about it. Um, cause one of, I'm, I'm not going to get this verbatim, but in, in the book, uh, Zabruder talks about how like analogies or, you know, like, um, metaphorical language, like so many, so many people think that when poets are like, they don't want to, they don't get poetry because like, Oh, I don't understand what, they're saying and Zabruder's point of contention was that like poets generally at least cont- a lot of contemporary poets like they say what they mean mm-hmm. but there's not there's not any sort of veiled mm-hmm. you know extra hidden meaning it's like they're saying these things and for him um this is this is something that I thought was really powerful and important and interesting that like analogous or analogous language is not supposed to be a like a tightening or a shortening or a limiting of language. It's supposed to be a more like these things rhyme with each other. So it's an expansion of an understanding or, or knowledge that like I'm when I'm thinking about, um, I don't know, like eating, eating this particular, this food or whatever, I get an emotional, I feel an emotion or something that is very closely linked to this other thing. So I can equate these things mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. not that like i'm not saying that like this thing is this other thing even though like with metaphor that is literally what you're saying but you're really saying it's like at their at their basis or at their essence these things feel the same it's like describing the overlap right yeah it's like like the kind of venn diagram where yeah. these things are like it's not there's a there's a sliver between them it's like you can kind of fit them almost perfectly over each other um and in that sense it's it's more of a like it's not supposed to be this hidden decoded thing that you're thinking about it, but it's supposed to be a way to like, to get you to think about these things in a perspective or way that you've never really thought about before. So it's more of a, it's more of a means to, 
make language more expansive and more, um, I don't know, like bigger. And there's, there's more connections that you can make and there, it just becomes a larger thing that you're working with. Um, and to the point of getting poems, I think that there are some poets that write very cerebral, very like intellectual poems. There was a reading that I went to recently that this, like the poet was where it's like each, like each poem or each like section of this poem was an anagram of some other thing. And there's all this like crazy <laughs> shit going on. But like even regardless or um, irrespective of all of that, like the point of a poem kind of what we were getting back to is like that arriving at this emotional place is like, what does it make you feel like? What's your reaction to it? Mm-hmm. And like, that was something that Kendra in um, our workshops brought up. Um, I actually have a, um, actually I might, I might put this up in imager or, or put it up somewhere. Uh, I think I still have it like sort of a, like in workshop, like these are some things, these are ways that mm. you can respond to poetry. And a lot of it is like, where is the fire? in this piece like what did it make you feel like um where was there a moment that you're in the poem where are there any are there any moments that took you out of the poem so it's it's more about like the um yeah like the emotional reverberation or like even the physical sensation of like what how did you respond to this thing and like that's really the starting point of getting into of poetry it's not it's not figuring out like well what are they like, what are they saying? It's like, how does this image make me feel? Or like, how do these words, when they're strung together, like, what does that do to me when I'm, when I'm reading this? Mm-hmm. Um, and related to the idea that like, there is one way to, to view shit. Um, I'm very, very thankful when I was going through undergrad that we, uh, most of my teachers were adherents to the, the, I guess the, the principle or the guideline of close reading, which is essentially like, if, if either of y'all have heard the whole adage, like, the author is dead. Um, I want to say it was Michel Foucault. It's upsetting. So, the whole the whole idea is, I, I feel like it was Michel Foucault. Is who was like, like setting a, your baby out to the world? No. Okay, keep going. Um, the idea I that, clearly like, don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> the idea that, like, up, up, until this, up until the point that I believe it was Foucault was writing this, that, like, literary analysis was very heavily intertwined with like the the story of the author so you'd have to like if you knew about the author then there's like this one this one actual reading of this thing because it's whatever the the author intended so with with the pronouncement that the author is dead like you take the author completely out of the equation and you just deal with the text so whatever whatever interpretation that you have of the text or whatever like conclusions that you draw as long as you can find support in the text like that's a valid reading so it, it democratized and sort of like egalit- it made the um the reading and the analysis of works much more egalitarian like every view is valid as long as you can find proof of it in like in the source in the material so at, like Whatever the hell the, I mean, I guess it is sort of like to send in the baby out of the world. Like, whatever the hell the author intended, it's like, that is a reading of it, but it is not the absolute reading of it. And I feel like with poetry, um, like, even that's much, I feel like that comes much more into play because it's, like, it's emotion and it's subjective and it's, you know, this is what I'm, like, I'm feeling something and this is how I'm conveying that feeling I know that not all poets write like that. Like some are, you know, like some political poems or there are some pedantic poems that are very much like 
you need to pay attention to this and like I'm teaching you a valuable lesson but I, I tend to gravitate more towards poets like Oliver or Jane Hirschfield that it's very much like I felt I felt this and you're gonna fucking feel this too now so hey have fun yeah but yeah I, I think that and like the whole idea that like someone's not smart enough to read or understand or write poetry I think is a is a probably a perpetration of like the old western canon of like highfalutin quote-unquote sophisticated white European and American authors um that like you like as long like the only qualification I feel like you and I, I think Zapruder said something similar to this in in why poetry that like the only quality the only qualification that you should have to read poetry is if you have felt emotions and it, it, I mean most people on living have felt emotions that makes you and you know like however long you've been feeling them that makes you like you know English or if you're if you're reading things in English, like you understand language, you have had and understand feelings, you can interpret poetry. Like that's that's it, because it's language and emotions. That's like all that's being brokered in in poems. I like that phrase. Being brokered. And it's the second time today I've used that. I don't know if I'm using it correctly, but <laughs> <laughs> someone will tweet at you. Surprisingly, every time that I've asked people to like respond to things, nothing. The author is dead. <laughs> the podcaster is dead. Oop. Got the got the title of the episode. The podcaster is dead. The podcaster is dead. Some people are gonna read that <laughs> and feel very worried. <laughs> then they will tweet. Oh, I mean it chip. <laughs> <laughs> they can't see you. That's <laughs> no, more for y'all. Uh, um. So, um. Okay, I guess this is more of a question for you, um, since Michelle doesn't doesn't lower herself to read poetry. Oh, <laughs> let's make that the title. <laughs> That's not. That was a joke. Has your? Do you feel like your? Um, experience or your like wherever it is that you were situated to poetry before as a reader of it or like primarily a reader of it has changed at all now that you are veering more into being a writer of poetry mm. actually i'm going to read it the way that i i Great. read the question that i wrote the question because it, it. um it's i uh, much more articulate has your relationship to slash understanding of poetry changed at all from reader of to writer of? Has my understanding of poetry or my relationship changed? Um, well, I've always kind of thought poetry looked really hard. And I was right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but sometimes when I read, like, because, you know, I have a lot of friends who are poets and mm -hmm. Sometimes people will be like, hey, do you want to, you know, read my poem? It's in a rough stage. And then they send it to me and I'm like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm like, how dare you? Like, did you send me a really polished thing so you can brag? Like, how, what is happening? Mm -hmm. um, and, and then I'm always like, I can't believe someone sat down and wrote this thing, even if this is the rough version, right? Like, I've, I'm 
shocked sometimes. Like, your brain did... And I say that about poetry a lot. Like, your brain did this. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> That's amazing. Like, how did it do it? Um, and writing poetry has made me feel that more because... Mm. Um, Sometimes, like, it, it's harder, because I'm not very practiced and I'm still working and mm-hmm. learning how to write it, um, I feel like, I'm like, oh, this poem's going to be so great. And then I write, I'm like, this is garbage. Like, this is, there's cliches, there's, like, terrible wording, like, it's not really what I want them to feel, and, like, I just want them to feel what I feel, and I don't know how to do that. And so it, it's, I'm very impressed still with poets, so I would say that that hasn't changed, but... I have a different perspective on it, but okay. it's still the same, like, underlying feeling of, like, it's very impressive when people write really well-written poetry. Um, I don't, I think when you say, like, my under, has my understanding changed? Um, I think kind of what we were talking about before is, like, going from, like, a reader that felt like I was stupid, I couldn't get it, there's a certain way to read it, through, mm-hmm. I want to read this however the fuck I want to read it, and this is my reading, and... I'm, it's my baby now. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. that was more of a growth in my relationship to poetry than it has been from then to writing it. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't, I think writing it has changed my perspective on um, crafting of poetry. Mm. But I'm still really, I still think it's such an impressive thing to do well. Yeah. So I, when you were, when you said that, um, like poets will send you a rough draft and mm-hmm. it's, you know, like it's mm-hmm. still good. Um, I hope, I really hope that that is not a, a discouragement thing because mm-hmm. depending upon who the poet is, like I, I know that in my own practice, like not all of the time, but more and more of my first drafts are getting, are much, much closer to like how they look at in, in a final mm-hmm. version. Mm-hmm. Um, Barring any sort of like heavy, ridiculous revision, um, and I think that that it's like that's really just something that comes with like time, mm-hmm. and yeah, um, and I've like I've I want to say that I've mentioned this on the podcast before, um, and I feel like I've either t- talked to you about it or you've you've been parts of conversations that this has come up. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but the idea that like I don't think that there's such a thing as bad poetry. <laughs> Anthony, when, when I've told Anthony this, he has, he has said, he has made that exact same noise. Um, no, but to me, like, when you, if you, to deem something as good or bad, there has to be this sort of, like, ideal thing that you're working towards. So, like... There's a measure. Yeah, like, you can write a bad sonnet, because there is yeah, a, like... <laughs> you can do it! <laughs> we I'll do it right now! <laughs> Sucking at something is the first step of being good at something. It's true. Can't edit a blank page. No. We can edit a bad one. Yeah. But I think I think it's like the bad poetry is not that it's bad because it doesn't meet a certain standard, but it's like it's bad for me. Okay. For my taste, I don't like this. Yes. Okay. Yes, I will. I will agree (laughs) with that. But I also like to your point of like cliches and stuff. I think that most, in my experience, most poetry that I've encountered that could be considered quote unquote bad is Mm -hmm. just what I would consider, like, young poetry. Either it's, like, an early draft or the person writing it is just, like, very early in their stages of, in their poetic practice. Yeah. Because it's a lot of, like... So us. 
but I mean, like, but like you said, it's like you're struggling with like things that are cliched or, or biting yeah. someone else's style or you know, um, like oversharing or not sharing enough or being too obtuse or like too abstract or being like too, too hyper. It's like there are all these things that like that shit gets better over time. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for me, the reason that like my, my poems, some, at least some of them that like, I will write a poem in like a draft and then chain like in no, when I've finished, it's like, okay, this like, I can feel this is really fucking close. And I think it's because like, I've had just such, such experience and such practice like with my voice and with writing poetry. Like, I now have a very clear understanding and indication like what my poetic voice mm -hmm. is and I don't have to fight and I don't have to struggle for it. I can like when things come out, they come out more sounding like me and when I um, when I edit stuff or revise things, it's like part of that is to get it to sound authentic to an extent, but that's really just because I can't think of a better word like to me. It's like I'm mm -hmm. cutting out you know, like th like you know, this is a Mary Oliver line. Like if I'm not doing a Mary Oliver style poem, like I don't like there needs to be another way. Like I need to I need to say this. Yeah. I have a question for you. Okay. Yes. We've not gotten to that part of the podcast, but I'll allow. <laughs> podcast and <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wait. Actually, it's just a sound. No. How do you feel about that? Because I feel that way with my essay, and that's another reason I want to do poetry is because. And, and maybe essay's different, but, like, I am sick of telling the same story mm -hmm. the same way. Like, and every time I sit down to write, I'm like, Michelle, we've heard it. Like, let's, <laughs> you know? And I'm, like, frustrated. Like, I don't even want to hear my story anymore. Mm -hmm. So, when you I say, like, does that, is it, do you not surprise yourself? Like, I, I like no, being surprised like I'm, I'm still constantly, especially, like, after I've written something and, like, I go back and read a, like, um fucking uh possessed by space there's some poems in there that like some lines that i go back to and like holy shit I, like my brain did that um that's a real thing i think all the time yeah. when you're poetry like someone's brain did that what the fuck that's crazy um, no i think it's for me it's more um like so much of my writing practice now is like site specific so I go to some place, so like the Nebraska poems with Possessed by Space or the like the 30 something I wrote when I was in Vermont, like I'm in a new space. So like inevitably and inherently I'm going to be writing different poems because so much of what I write is dependent upon like what's around me. Mm -hmm. And I know that like it's me in this space so they will sound like my poems but like my brother and my family showed up in a bunch of the poems that I wrote in Vermont and I was not expecting that at mm -hmm. all and it's you know like it's so I, I think one of the benefits of, of poetry is because you're dealing with like emotions or moments like those are really only big enough to deal with sort of like kind of one facet at a time mm -hmm. so even though you might be going back to this big experience like you got one moment and then you shift perspective a little bit. And even you, even though you might be talking about the same thing, it's like you're you're in a different moment now. Like a science experiment, changing one variable at a time. Hmm. Kind of. <laughs> That's right. Poetry <laughs> is a science experiment. That's right. Hypothesis. No, but like, because I've like I've written about the fact that like I haven't Matthew and I haven't talked in like seven years. Um, and you know, like in uh, the Now Empty Sky, there are a couple poems about 
like one explicitly about like the fact that like our communication ended and um with the poems that i was writing in vermont like it was similar like i was feeling the same sorts of stuff but it like you know almost seven years have passed so like those emotions are there but my perspective and my my sit my where my placement is in relation to them has changed um so and i don't know i feel like with i've i've definitely noticed in, this in myself that there are certain like images or certain ideas or certain things that like i that show up all the fucking time in my writing and for me it's more of a like it's like um essays like the 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 very literal definition of what an like essay it's like to explore and to figure the shit out it's like i view it as sort of like long long form ruminations or meditations on like this thing that like you're getting a sliver of this one poem is mm -hmm. like a, a a moment in this long meditation and then the next poem if i you know if i write about matthew again will be like the next moment um but i don't know i think that I think that for me, um, there's, because of like, because so much of my writing is, is autobiographical, um, there's always something, like there's something happening. And since I'm not telling stories, like I can, like, you know, like haiku, it's like I can, I can go out on a walk and see, like there's one poem that I wrote um, about seeing a bunch of yellow flowers on a neighbor's terrace and equating them with like, actually... I'm gonna fuck. I'm gonna find it and I'm gonna read it. Oh, I don't remember. I don't know where it is. Do you want to like ask us a question while you do that, so it's not like weird? Favorite thing about writing poetry. Least favorite thing about writing poetry. Meaning favorite thing about po writing poetry. Okay. Go. Let's do our least favorite first. Okay. You you can go first. Oh good. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we took this. <laughs> I think my least favorite thing right now is my lack of confidence in it. Mm -hmm. So, which is good because that can be better, right? That's a thing that can improve. We foresee you just being really, <laughs> really unsure forever. That's I would, weird. I would love to. I would actually really love to read like really neurotically self-conscious poetry. Oh, well, I got it. There you go. <laughs> you want to do a chat book of that? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That's a joke. That's a joke. It's a joke. You can't she's, say she's jokes. not ready. Don't point at me. <laughs> you're, What's you're... your least favorite thing? Um, my least favorite thing about writing poetry is I think it's similar. It's like second guessing myself. Um, that actually relates to another question I had about the inner critic. Oh yeah, mine's pretty strong. <laughs> mine's like stronger than the poet. <laughs> um, I think it's also like the, I don't like, if I like a line, like kind of what you were saying earlier, and that was a little freeing for me, is like, if I like a line but it doesn't fit, then it's like, oh god, <laughs> this is, I'm just never going to see this thing again. Um, and like that kind of like second guessing over and over again mm -hmm. um, is hard for my poems. Um, and even like, like, I'm in a workshop now, and, like, even showing my poems to people, I'm like, sorry. <laughs> and then they're like, no, these are good. And I'm like, 
you're lying. Like, I, right. say, I have a hard time believing it. Yes. That's yeah. the least favorite part. I think um, I, I try very, very hard when I write my poems. And, like, this is still, like, an ongoing process for me to, like, to get as much as I can out in the moment of, like, the insp- whatever, like, inspiration of writing the poem to keep the critic at bay. And let, like, let him have whatever he's doing when I'm editing shit. But, like, when I'm writing, just make sure that's, like, like, I'm just going to get whatever I can out and down in this, like, at this moment. And then I will go back and figure out if it's good or not mm-hmm. afterwards. Like, I, I try to separate, as much as I can, I try to separate those processes out from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not always successful. Mm-hmm. But... What is your most favorite thing about writing poetry? Or wait, should we do medium You know, I don't know that I know enough things to have a medium. Okay, that's fair. It, so, maybe that's maybe that's your medium favorite whoa, thing. You... Whoa. <laughs> the possibilities. Uh, my most favorite thing is kind of what I articulated earlier, which I had never articulated out loud, is that I have so many ideas and so many, so many feelings. So many feelings. There's so many, like, Things that I that I'm holding on to that has to exist, and the essay wasn't working. So there's been a couple that I've put into a poem that I was like, "Yes, yes, you have a home now," and it's not good, but it's on the page. Mm-hmm. I will edit it. Right. It has a home, and that's what it needed to be. Like there was a, a ferry boat situation, but it not, wasn't a situation. Not F A. Yeah, I also what's a ferry boat? F E R O Y. A ferry. Yes. Okay, it's how oh. I'm saying it. Okay, <laughs> like a fairy boat, I love it. Can I tell a small story? Yes, that's what this podcast is all about. <laughs> oh, I tangents we were, on I tangents we on tangents. Straight answering questions. No, so at Writers and Words Retreat, uh, everyone was reading stuff, and I had I worked the retreat, so I didn't really write a whole bunch of stuff, but I had written this poem, and so we were sharing, and I was like, okay, I believe in being vulnerable. I always tell my students this, so like, I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm not a poet, but I wrote this poem, and I had written in a flash fiction piece. And so I, like, got up in front of everyone, and I was like, so, this poem is about, oh, no, this summer I wrote a fairy, <laughs> and people's faces, like, dropped, right? Like, 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 not, like, they hated me, but, like, like, <laughs> genuine concern, okay? And so I was like, plow through, you're in front of people. And so I was like, and it was magical. <laughs> well, it sounds also like you're saying fairy. Yeah, well, so I don't know. That's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> My so face would be like, oh. <laughs> that's what everyone thought is that like fairy, like wings fairy. And then I said it was magical. Yeah, that's right. how I speak. So and so sounds, people yeah. were like, what is she on? You know, yeah. like. So then I was like, okay, I'm just going to read it now. And I read it. It's about a fairy boat. A fair, a fair. How, how do you say that? Fairy. Like, a fairy boat. That's not British. That's the only way I know how to really pronounce that. So instead of, so ferret without the T and just an extra E at the end. So ferret. Ferret boat. <laughs> no, I said without the T. Ferret boat. <laughs> Also pretty. <laughs> a fairy boat. That you was closer. That was closer. You don't need fairy boat. That you was worse. The, you don't need the boat. You can just say I. I no, no, I do does. need the boat. I do she need the boat because can everyone you just can say boat. I wrote a boat. I was on a boat. <laughs> that's no, that's 
so? It's, no, it's not. It's not you rode. You took. You took a ferry. That's that's the terminology. I took a ferry. Sounds like she captured a ferry with my hand because they're so small. Um, she she is talking about a ferry. I told you. Anyway, I wrote this poem. Okay. About my travels on a boat that also carries cars. A commuter boat. Uh, sure. Um, <laughs> but it was between... Why, why did I start telling this story? Because you were... Everyone was really, like, worried about your poem and you oh, yeah. read it. That yeah. was my tangent. But what was... What do I like about yeah. this? What do I... <laughs> Sometimes. Um, I'm an essayist. So... <laughs> yeah. So I liked that it was... It only exists. It was this really moment between two places mm-hmm. and the poem was about sort of being in between two places and it just wouldn't have survived an essay like there's no way an essay would have yeah, supported it's like, it and I, I feel like it had with, to be somewhere with like one of the things that I've noticed about my poems and I, I, I mean I've noticed about myself and I think it's why I'm calibrated to write poems is like I have an idea the idea is as long as it is does not connect to anything else and that's like that's it so for me it's like the unit of that is poem um like that that idea of like you're on a ferry, and it's, it's like you're in a commuter boat. <laughs> a commuter boat. Whatever. Um, but like it's it's this moment like you said that like you're you're between spaces like you're in a you're in a place that's between places and there's this experience and this moment that you're having on this like in in this boat. Yes, in this circumstance <laughs> that like. That's it. Like, there's no. It doesn't. It doesn't connect anything out. It doesn't pull anywhere else. It's like it. That's that's right. the unit. Of right. It. Yeah. And that that there's a place that you can that you can have that you can write. Or you can put these moments. And I feel like like I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, if you were making this an essay, you would feel like you had to write more. Like you would you would feel like it had to connect out. Right. It had to go somewhere else instead of just it's being be allowed to be like this one little like. Right. I did I did this. And I think one of the challenges for me, like we were talking about earlier of like bad writing versus good writing. For me, bad writing and mm-hmm. I kinda think this is bad writing in general, um, not just for me, is when they hit you over the head with it. Yeah. Right? Where you're like, You see what I did there? You know? And so for certain things for an essay to drag it out is like, you see what I'm doing? You see how good I am at this? Mm. Right? So then it's instead of being an image that you use to convey a message, you're like, Look what I did. <laughs> There's, I've These actually, there. I don't yeah. know how to I've experienced that, but... that with some poetry too. Like there's when things are like, it almost feels too poetic. Like yes, the poet's showing yeah. way too much. Like I'm a really good poet in these two lines here, right. aren't it's like I? The poet voice when people read poetry mm-hmm. and they're like, and then the thing, the and you're like, like, oh the my inflection. god, you're like, yeah. I get it. We're, you're reading a poem. We know you're a poet. Like you know, yeah, we get it. We know. They read your bio. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> It's like the dad joke of writing. It is. Yeah. I would love for somebody to like get up and they start doing that, and somebody else is like, "Oh, he's a, he's a poet." <laughs> Do you see what he's doing there? Okay, this makes sense now. I was wondering why the lines were so short if this was an essay. <laughs> this is a very small novel that he's reading from. Okay, your favorite. My thing favorite about. thing about poetry is poetry. Um, that, that's so poetry. Um, I think it's, like, sometimes now that I'm writing more often, I'm, I have, like, more of a poet mind for things. Yes. So, like, I'll be, like, the I'll be, the like, oh, I'm, like, shit. looking at something, I'm driving, I'm looking at something, I'm, like, that could be a poem. 
or like, oh, that thing could be a poem or like, oh, this one thing that this person said to me or in this email or like this tweet, like that could be a whole poem. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's interesting. I I really like that. It makes me feel clever. (laughs) Um, Even if I don't do anything with it, it just makes me feel like, I think I'm doing yeah. it. I, th- I feel like, I don't know if this, I don't know if Zapruder explicitly says this, but I think that that's a very related thing to the idea, like, what I was trying to convey with, like, um, like, metaphorical language, like, it, it changes the way that you see things, and it puts you into, like, this state of, like, oh, I'm, like, I'm, a, like, whenever I read Mary Oliver, I'm constantly, I, I find myself immediately afterwards, like, paying attention to stuff, like, very closely paying, or just, like, being in the state that I notice things more. Um, so in that respect, I, a lot of the poetry that at least I tend to gravitate towards feels like it's like moments of meditation that like the goal of it or the, the experience that you have in reading it is a, like an expansion of mindfulness or awareness that you are Mm -hmm. suddenly, because you are, you are presented with a, um, a perspective or a way of describing things or a way of seeing things that is, potentially so wildly different from your own but is so vivid and is so immediate like you like you may not see the way that they see it but you are now suddenly where it's like oh there's other ways that i can see mm-hmm. this stuff way wait i have my middleest thing middleest thing what, Actually, what is your travis thing about, <laughs> about my middleest thing i think is is workshopping okay because it's both um the scariest thing to do yeah. Um, to me, it's scary. And also, so, like, I think we've talked about this before, um, where, like, in grad school... So, I went to grad school for counseling, and in grad school, we would have to, like, do counseling sessions on camera, and then they would show it in front of the whole class. That sounds like my nightmare. And then we would critique each other. <laughs> and it was, it was not... It was scary. Yeah. But because it was my craft... Right. It was scary and I fucking hated it. I just want to be clear. <laughs> I hated it every time. But it was also exciting because I knew that, like, we're all doing it. So no one's out to get me. But also because, like, whatever they tell me is to make me better. Right. Even if I really didn't want to hear the thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and in the long run, it has helped. And, um, but to me, here, there's something about, like, that counseling like that is, like, a profession. And it is, like, a... Like you go there, it is not like a critique of my emotions. It is not yes. a critique of my right. inner thoughts. Um, it is a critique of my skills that I'm learning. Right. That I'm still learning and people are trying to help you learn, right? And that's the thing about workshop is like, oh, you're just going to tell me my feelings are wrong? Like, that's what I always felt about like writing workshops. Like, you're going to tell me. <laughs> I wrote this poem and you're going to tell me that my feelings aren't right. And so there was always this fear of like going into a workshop and someone being like, this is stupid, and I can't even believe that you would write this, you know? Mm-hmm. Which, I guess that would be, like, the worst workshop person to work with, but... And they do exist. I'm sure that they do, and I'm really glad <laughs> those people are not in my workshop, but I, um... Like, it's really vulnerable in a way that even having my counseling skills on a screen in front of 30 people was less scary to me yeah. than having someone see my poems. Um, I, I yeah. feel like... I mean, it, it took me a long, long time to be able to separate myself out like to approach it as like you were you are critiquing my craft right like, you're skills, not you're right. not critiquing right. me but i feel like with with uh prose like fiction writing i feel like you might have the most 
uh, insulation from this with essay and memoir I feel like it's like you're on the verge of it because it's mostly like you know you're mm -hmm. writing about yourself but I feel like with poetry because it usually comes from a very raw very emotionally driven place it's like it's a very personal thing a very intimate thing like it's very easy to equate your poem with you and like your feelings and like when someone's critiquing this thing you're like oh you're like yes. you're, you're stabbing me in the heart Right. right, like, I, I was so vulnerable and told you this thing, mm -hmm. and you're saying it's not good. Right. But, yeah, so I've, that's, like, the scariest part. But also the the reason it's the middleest is because it's also really, has been really wonderful for me mm -hmm. to get feedback. And also, to be quite honest, to get some of the praise. Like, I, that's yeah. been important for me Encouragement's to, to a really do the, the least favorite thing, which is building that confidence. Yeah. Um, and to, like hear people like my worst fears have not come true with someone is like your emotions are wrong right we're just like maybe this word could be different or right. like and I, oh I you know what maybe if the line break was here it would give me a different feeling and then i'm like oh that's what we're doing in a workshop you know, you're not like this sucks right <laughs> well but so i think i have so many thoughts on workshop because so many people are anti or totally pro yeah yeah, yeah. and i think part of the problem especially in grad school definitely in undergrad um Oh, workshops in undergrad was a nightmare. And the reason, it's not because, it's not any, like, level of person worth or anything like that. It's because the same, at the same time you're learning to write, you are learning to critique. Right. And there's not much time spent in class talking about what How is actually helpful. And right. there have been a couple of classes that we did that. And when I was teaching graphic design, I made a point of doing that. Of like, what is actually, what is the goal of this? It's right. not to make it sound like you. It's not whether you liked mm. the story or not. Because there were there were times in a fiction workshop where, I don't know if you remember this or if you were even in this class, honestly. But there was a class that... If someone, it was a fiction workshop, I was not in that class. I think it might have been our lit workshop. So, like, oh, we did with different Betsy? things. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Where someone wrote something and the character was awful. Like, an awful person. Mm -hmm. Right? And so people were like, I hated this story because that character, like, they were terrible. And we were like, some of us were like, no, no. <laughs> That is a good story. You hated the character. Like, mm -hmm. that is a well-written story. Right. If you and, hate, if you right. have emotions to hate someone, right. they that did didn't it. exist. Yeah. They did it. And so that's what I think people don't understand about workshop is like, what is your goal? Your right. goal is not just to say things. <laughs> you know? To make you feel smart. Right. So yeah. like, there, there's a learning of what you're critiquing and right. how to make someone a better writer. Yeah, and I, like... I think that it's it's the issue of like what you were talking about. It's it's not the like it's like I I've personally never been in a, in a workshop, and I'm thankful for this that like people have invalidated my feelings in writing something. It's it's more of a like like I'm critiquing the effectiveness of your of how this is communicated. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Like that's like that's because that's, that's really yeah like, that's really what you're looking at is the, like in in when I was thinking about like no such thing as good or bad poetry or whatever for me it's all like it boils down to like how effective is this mm -hmm. at conveying whatever it is yeah. that you want it to convey and like so that's like maybe this word could change or like maybe this break could be here or, like like i'm i kind of fell out of the stanza or out of the poem in this particular stanza mm -hmm. like everything else was on fire and it had me here and this one stanza felt like the voice was weird or was coming from mm -hmm. a different perspective and like maybe if it shifted a little bit you could like you could draw everything so like the idea of like what you wrote is valid, you know, like it's like it's on the page and that like whatever it is that you felt 
is valid mm -hmm. and now we're going to do the work to get this thing worthy of and like worthy of and able to convey whatever it is that you felt right um, and the other thing is in the end it's still my poem right yeah you so can, people you can, can, you can say, totally yeah, disregard right. anything that you know it's like in this is something and i think that one of the reasons that, that this I, or this understanding of revision took me such a long time is because you know like i was very young in my writing for a long long time um, the idea that, like, in revision or in, in editing your poem, like, you were the, like, your master in that essence or, like, the, the driving thing in, in that moment is what does the poem want? Like, not even what you want for the poem. Like, what does this piece want to be? And your job at that point in revision is to get that poem or, like, deliver it wherever it is that it wants to be. So, mm -hmm. like... I, and this this was a really freeing thing that like like when Ken, when Kendra or Steve would give me feedback on some poems like sometimes their critiques are really fucking spot on it was like okay yeah I need to change this and other times it was like no that's not really you don't know this poem no it was it was more it's like this doesn't feel like it's applicable in this sense but even thinking about that like got me thinking it was like well why is what it is not it? and yeah. like oh okay it's because I'm going for this yeah. and they're like. It like still if, helps you articulate right, where yeah, it's going. Yeah, so it, yeah, it's like even if even if you're not responding directly to their whatever mm -hmm. that they're addressing or not addressing directly whatever it is that they they said needed to be addressed, you're still like dealing with it mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, there, think, sorry. No, go ahead. I think the other hard part for me, like with nonfiction, is that while that doesn't happen to me in a workshop, it happens to you in the world, <laughs> right? Like real, you like yeah. for real, like once oh, you yeah. put it in. Because that's been the hardest part about, I mean, that's what every every writer, no matter, any artist really puts, that's the the benefit, but also the the pro and also the con. I'm like, what's the opposite of benefit? Just going to go different <laughs> word structure there. Um, the pro is that, like, artists are putting so much of themselves often in these pieces, mm -hmm. and it, it's what makes art so cool and beautiful and emotive, but it's also the, like... <laughs> when people yeah. don't like it or don't respond to it or that's treat why, it as this thing that you're like, no, that's actually part of my soul. Thank you. That's that's why that's why writing poetry is so great because not a whole lot of people read it. So wow. You have... <laughs> <laughs> Career change coming up. So you have very few interactions of people who are like, oh, I didn't, I didn't agree. Well, even with... like that's why someone... no one. Hey, if you are this far, <laughs> if you are this far into the episode, just tweet Michael. What is it? What's your Twitter? At Michael Zuloff. Spelled with a with Y. With a Y. M-Y-C-A-E-L. Nope. A -A. Nope. A-E-L. You missed an H. <laughs> Look. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. <laughs> Just tweet Michael Zuloff and say, what do you want them to say? Um, Scrapple. Just, just Scrapple. So we know you heard it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the test. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, but, we'll see what happens. Like, even if people don't <laughs> dislike it. Like, I had someone with notes from my phone, which was very, I mean, it was just very raw and a little bit dramatic. Like, the next really hard life thing I went through, this was a good friend of mine, and I think they meant this as an encouragement, but they were like, oh, I just cannot wait for this book. <gasps> and I was like, okay, it's my real life, though. <laughs> right! Like, this is it for your entertainment. Like, right. it, You know what I mean? Whoa. Like, so that was weird. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a really art. weird, like, weird armchair response. spectator, like, yeah, I'm just going to eat popcorn while your life implodes, so I can <laughs> right. read this book. 
Right. Can and you like hurry up and get yeah. through this trauma <laughs> right. so we can write it? Do you want to start writing right now or like? Wow. Yeah. That's a weird thing when it you like weird. put pieces of your life out there. Yeah. Huh. That's why I also like writing poetry. You can be real obtuse about shit. Mm. Yeah, you don't have to say the exact thing that's happening. Or you can write in fucking personas. Who the hell is gonna know? I mean, usually they do, but. Yeah. <laughs> but again, <laughs> pretty much Apple. <laughs> well, again, no one has read this poem anyway. <laughs> Speaking of that, yeah. um, I found the poem. Michael just wants two people in the world to hear this poem. I re- yeah. yeah. Yes, it's us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sure it's wonderful. I really like your poetry. <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back to the whole, like, that, like, poems can be moments. And there's mm-hmm. always, like, there's plethora or myriad moments that are just out there. Um, so I, I think for me it's, like, the voice or the tone or the the way of seeing doesn't necessarily change, but what you see constantly changes. Mm, so it's not like you're not. I like. I am very rarely. I don't think I've ever written like the same poem. I've written poems that like maybe you know like poems about a flower or you know poems about clouds. Like clouds show up all the fucking time in my poems, um, but you know or like there's one poem I wrote about winter that was comparing it to like a blue collar worker or like the sun coming in. I don't, I don't know. It's a long poem ish longish for me. Um, actually it might be in this, in this stack. Um, no, it is not whatever. Um, but I, I think that like, you know, I'm never in danger of trying to tell, like I'm never in danger. I don't feel like I'm ever in danger of telling the same story. I might be presenting you with the same images, but it's like montage. Given like what comes before and what comes after it, the emotional quality of that image is going mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. change just inherently by what it's surrounded by what it's surrounded by. Um, and because I don't have to tell a story, there's not like an end goal or there's not like a point to right. my poems. It's just like I had this experience, or at least the way that I, I approach poems is is very much um, Kind of adapted from like kind of the the gist of what haiku try to do it's like i had an experience it made me feel a thing i recognize that the thing that i felt exists in some somehow outside of language so i'm going to give you the experience and write it in such a way and try to hit the like the emotional resonances of this so that when you read it and you fill in sort of your own moments you will have there will be some resonation of like oh i know what this feeling is so essentially, like, I got you to feel what I felt, but in a very sort of, like, indirect mm, right. way. Um, and that's, like, and, you know, like, all of these emotions, it's like, oh, this poem's sad. But it's a very particular flavor of sad, and it's going to be a little bit different than this other flavor of sad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like there's all these nuances and all these subtleties. So I, I feel, in that sense, like, liberated. That it's like, I'm not burdened by the fact that I, like, these things have to arrive at like at a, a point it's just they have to arrive at an emotion and that's a hell of a lot easier for me to get to than like i also tell stories really really shittily i've discovered <laughs> um, why are you pointing at me because i have to point so that i don't laugh because <laughs> once i'm done i'm done it just makes me laugh that you're laughing <laughs> um so it saves me in that respect. Like I can I can convey an emotion in like five words, and everybody like anybody I'm talking to knows exactly what it is that I'm feeling. If I try to tell a story, 
rambly? Yeah. Okay. Can, well, you, I, can you read your poem for yeah. us? Um, so this is, this is a poem I wrote uh, a while ago, but it was because I saw um, some... I'm assuming it's winter jasmine because I, I I tend to do research when it comes to like flowers and shit. But there was like a neighbor somewhere on the street had a bunch of winter jasmine. They looked like little little like yellow flowers. Um, I was like, oh shit, this is making me feel something. And then this poem <laughs> happened. <laughs> um, so this is a morning poem. I don't know much. Neither does the winter jasmine that stands up every morning on my neighbor's terrace and offers its own small light to the world. Somehow, this not knowing is an act of joy. The yellow flowers declare, we will discover so much more today than we did yesterday. And I must shield my eyes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like that, like that, mm -hmm. this is, I don't know how many lines. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. Ten lines. But, like, that's, like, I saw flowers. I had this weird experience of, like, oh, I, like, they don't know what's happening in, like, day to day. <laughs> but, it's for babies! But it's for them, it's like, it's, like, like they're just, yeah. they're in it. They're like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can't tell, you should not write this as a See? story. See, like, this is a beautiful poem. Right. That was a terrible retelling of it in story yeah. form. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I really like and that I'm like, poem. Oh, I like I'm how, ashamed that I don't have this experience. I like how oh, hopeful it is until the last line. <laughs> like, it's a beautiful poem. I'm like, oh, these flowers. And, it's like, and then I shield my eyes. You're like, damn. <laughs> this is 2018, bitches. <laughs> so like, I, shit's real. I've, I've recognized that one of my, um, one of my overt goals in in writing poems is to make people feel smallly sad. <laughs> I can tell it. After reading a lot of your poems, <laughs> I agree. Because I feel like it's like, at least I want to be able to, I want to cultivate or create a space that if someone want, like, has been needing to feel just a small amount of sadness, like there is a place that they can just like, mm. oh. <laughs> that and they is just, the they sound. Just, they just get it out. Yeah, and like, that's totally oh, it. Because I actually like, and I don't know if this is a, a good way to think about it or not, but I like to think about it as like adding just a small, like a small little bit of a weight in somebody's pocket to just kind of like, mm. to get them to recognize it's like, okay, there's like, there's something, there's something here. Have you ever thought about like printing out your poems and like attaching to a little weight? No. Like people could actually put your real poems in their pocket with a little I weight on them. I love that idea. Hey, I used to work in marketing. TM, <laughs> TM, TM, TM. TM, TM. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, so I feel like we've reached kind of that point in the podcast where I can, I can throw out my, my standard, my now standard two questions to finish up the episode. Um, and I was, I mentioned this to Henry before we started, but I'm very interested in asking you this one particular question because when you were on the podcast, I had not started asking people this. Okay, I don't remember, so this is exciting. Oh, this is the landscape question. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Go on. Oh, no, we ruined it. Uh, they, we'll if people have been listening to this podcast long enough should come to expect what's okay, what's about yeah, to happen right. um so for the both of y'all if y'all uh possess the vocabulary for it what is describe your internal landscape don't don't rush the mic now 
Landscape in the traditional sense of landscape? Nope. Mary's was uh, vibrantly colored frosting. Oh, well, damn. <laughs> She's like, well, that was fun. <laughs> Kendra's was a uh, Santa Fe sky with a cloud roughly in the shape of a dog and a bird flying through it. Stop telling us people. <laughs> yeah, I know. Now I'm feeling much worse about mine. Okay, I think I have one, though. I feel like mine is... I think I like to think that you appreciate this because you're really big on like talking in analogies for things to have meaning. Um, not in your poems, just like in regular life. Yes. And I kind of feel like the way I write poems, the way I view poetry, and even some of my poems are like, you know when you're like in a car on a highway and everything is like going really fast around you, mm-hmm. but you're in the car and there's kind of a calm within the car? Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what it's like. Like, there's a calm, and there's all this other stuff that's happening, which is, like, the world, right? Like, Mm -hmm. shit's flying everywhere around you, but there's still this one little peaceful thing, even though you're hurtling (laughs) through the world. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Is there there a particular... Do you find yourself in this car driving through a particular landscape more often than not, or does that... I would feel like it's, like, um... Like, in my head, and some of my poems have actually come on this strip, which is, like, on 83, which is an interesting highway because it's both, like, southbound. Okay. Because it's a a city highway, so you're going fast still, but it's, like, within the city, within, Mm -hmm. like, city constructs around you. Like, there's still building. It's not like you're in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. So, there's still, like, a lot of things going on. You're still going pretty quickly, but... Um, I feel like a city highway is very different feeling than a country highway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely, um, on the one hand, like, more claustrophobic, but also a little, like, weirdly more internally open. Yeah, I feel like the claustrophobic is actually the opposite for me. It's like, that's within a bunch of people, because there's so many people around you, like, in, on the highway, but also, like, around in the city. Um, I still have... I'm guaranteed the space of my car regardless. Oh, so you, you, you know that you have, like, it's okay that there's so many other people out there because you have the buffer of, right. like, there's nobody else in your car. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's just me and, like, Carly Ray blasting. I love that. <laughs> I saw your, your Carly Ray Jepsen March Madness bracket. Yeah, I did not create that, but I did fill it out, and it was intense. Yes. Anyway... <laughs> I have I have a bad pun involving tints. All kind right. of. Why why can you only ran at Coachella? Because it's past tense. I don't get it. Oh, because it's tense. Yeah. No way! I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a bad joke. <laughs> I mean, yes, I said it was a bad pun. Okay. So at Coachella, most people will camp there. They have tents. Because it's past. Because and you can only ran at Coachella because it's past T E N T S. So my but, but ran like is fairy, past. fairy, <laughs> fairy, fairy, fairy. Um, you forgot the hard T. There it. Um. So I have three images that are overlapping. Yes. yes. And I can't quite. Well, no, that's that's it. That's okay. your landscape. Jackson Pollock painting. Ooh, any particular one? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, like the physical, like the physical image of a painting of his, or the image of him painting a painting? Uh, one of his paintings. Okay. Um, 
tangled up extension cord that you're trying to untangle. Okay. Or when you're No, kids, not or, and. And. <laughs> yes, and. Um, the thing when you're a kid, string art, where it, mm-hmm. the strings are around all of these uh, nails. Around, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's really just one string. Yes. Or a couple of strings, so it's all connected, but it looks chaotic. Yes. That's beautiful. Thank you. That's kind of a poem. <laughs> I did it! <laughs> I'll put that in a sonnet. You're done. But you know what I mean? Like, I think it's it's chaotic, mm-hmm. but it's ordered chaos. And mm-hmm. I'm, I feel like what I'm trying to do with writing and just in life is, like, pulling the thread or pulling that, like, trying to order the chaos. So are you, are you in the a... process of, like, at least for the nail art or the string art and the extension cords, are you in the process of trying to, like... Like, the extension cord is, I'm assuming, being, like, you're trying to untangle right. that, correct? For the the string art, are you trying to, like, unwind it? Or does that does I that exist more, as, like, a static image right. for you? That's what I'm... I think the extension cord is not static. It's the okay. unwinding. The pollock painting is what it... Like, it's very static. Mm-hmm. And the string art's in between. It could go either way. Okay. I would I would really love to see that as like a triptych of either like images or um, the graphic thing that we're gonna do. Yeah. All right. Actually, that is so. That actually is what. So this idea. Can I say this? Yeah. Okay. This idea I have is. Uh, I mean, I'm you're an the overthinker. You're, there's no one else is gonna do it. TM. I thought you were about to say TM. I thought you were saying no one's listening to this. I mean, there is that too. Um, I'm an overthinker and a pretty, I feel like I have anxiety. I don't think like I have like anxiety, like diagnosable, but like I have a lot of anxiety about things. Um, and so trying to, but everyone has this in this internal monologue or this internal landscape as you're saying. Mm -hmm. And so I want to do a graphic novel illustrating making a decision or just like the process of like how many things it bounces around in there i'm, I'm seeing this as like a house of leaves make... style just like ridiculous yeah, yeah okay like, i'm totally like illustrate because we all are so different of like illustrating no this is this is what it's like to live in my head for a little bit that's really interesting like each person has a different drawing yeah. or a different yeah of what so that looks like that's there cool. are a couple of like um scenes in sandman Yes, you've told me about that this. That Dream heard. goes to visit uh, Delirium. And it's mm-hmm. this sort of like an immediate change in art style. An immediate just sort of like there's colors and there's shit just like everywhere. Because it's, it's like this manic, like constantly manic state. Um, that I think, I mean, that it might be just like a, a way to, to get, to gain some sort of like visual language to right. describe like what this, because it's like, pastiche and collage and just like just it's it's ridiculous i'll see when we're done recording i'll see if i can find one of them and just show you a little bit of okay. of it what i think i know what volume it's in but we'll we'll i'll see if i can find it when we're done okay i really i love i this like i i really i'm so glad that i started asking people this um because i i am I've spent a lot of time figuring out like what mine is, and I, that is an image that is very comfortable, very comfortable and confident for me, and an image that has become like a kind of a central fulcrum point for me. That's like this is like 
maybe not a mantra, but this is like this, this is this is either my center or this is as close as I can fucking get to my center. Um, and it's been sort of like what you're saying, like each person has a different image or a different process in their head. Like each person's landscape, like each person's inside is so wildly and vastly different. And I've loved hearing people talk about like, you know, like Shreya's was a populated like sci-fi planet. She's the only one so far that I've talked to that actually has like, it's been populated with like people like things or, or mm. entities or whatever mm. um the fact that like sarah lynn's was a like a geode mm. um mary's was like swirly fluffy multi like vibrantly colored frosting right i thought you said that was mandy mary oh what was mandy's i don't think she's been on this podcast yet oh that's a shame we should get her yeah <laughs> She's very good. She's very good. She's, she's on. My, I can't believe I've, you didn't ask her before us. <laughs> right? She's on my list. Okay, Mandy, do it. Hey, Mandy, if you're listening, also tweet at my <laughs> I mean, I was gonna say you could just comment, like, on the episode itself. If you're, well, I guess if you're not listening on SoundCloud, you can't. Um, yeah, and tweet at me, whatever. I'll be, I'll be. It would be like the, the most tweets that I get at me. Ever. Or maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, it, like, even if nobody does. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm tweeting at you right <laughs> now. Do it, hurry. And this has been uh, So Poetry's self-deprecation uh, <laughs> I'm super good at that. Wait, what, did, was there one more question? Oh, yes. Uh, he was being funny. <laughs> I know. Um, so the second question is, uh, is there anything that y'all, either of y'all would like to ask me on any, any topic? This is, you're, this is a rare opportunity for you. This is the second time you've gotten to ask me something. What did I ask you the first time? I have so, no idea. This is a terrible question. <laughs> I, I must have not asked something exciting. I should have brought it today. I didn't. <laughs> and it doesn't have to be poetry related. It could be any, anything. If you want to ask more questions about my dietary habits when I was a kid. I don't want to know. <laughs> Definitely not. Hard pass on that. Um, how has this podcast changed the way that you approach poetry, if it has? Oh. Or life. <laughs> Wildly changing the scope of that question. Um, that's so funny. I, so if it is, if it has changed my approach to life, um, if anything, it has been to be more, um, like more purposeful in pursuing things that I want to do, um, or just like, like talking with people that I I would find interesting or that I you know like. But I think that more so than anything else that I've done recently in my life, this has been one of the few things that like. I did, all of the research beforehand. I actually researched stuff of like what mic to get, what programs to use, where to host, um, 
like I started everything and like I've been I've been running it for you know like I feel like the press has been has become one of those things but I started that with really like oh, I want to make books um, without really any clear understanding or just or like direction of like oh this is actually what I want this to be and I feel like with the podcast like I had a very clear idea of what I wanted it to be and how I wanted it to go um, and it has so far pretty much lived up to that and this is also one of the things that like similar to writing poetry um, in I know that people listen to this and I'm all joking aside I'm very very thankful of, of the listeners out there um, I've gotten some I was checking uh, earlier this week and there were a couple from I want to say Birmingham in the UK. There was one or two from South Africa. I've gotten some from like South Korea. Was I was blown up there, like four listens a little while ago, <laughs> which is blown up for me. It's not discovered. No, it's that's. Not. I mean, that's. South no, but like. I don't know anyone there. But that the idea that like that one that there are people that are out there that seem to enjoy listening to this podcast, which I'm appreciative of, and still sort of dumbfounded that. <laughs> people actively listen to this um because like i this is something that i would do if, even if i wasn't record i mean it's just it's sort of like having a microphone is really just an excuse to get people that i've wanted to talk to and just like talk poetry with them for you know like an hour or two um i don't i don't think that it has changed how did you phrase it? Was my my what with poetry? My experience with or my understanding? You were poetry. My poetry. Or um, relationship with poetry, I thought you asked. Look, let's rewind the tape. <laughs> I'm gonna, Core recorder? I could. Um, no, but I like. I don't think that it has really changed my relationship with poetry other than it has um, exposed me to more poets um, and just like given me an awareness that there's more out. So it, is, it has informed like what I read um, I don't know I feel like it's also um, like the continuation like this is I guess maybe in an outlook or like in life and in poetry too just the sort of um, the constant like the state of being in constant amazement that like people are so different and as, as deep as they are and as insightful and as like like with it as they can be um, which is also, you know, like kind of thrown in stark relief, how unwith it and how like unaware and unmindful other people are. Um, mostly people in a large white house, a handful of hours south of, of here, but. Okay. I'm glad cause you were like pointing at me. No, I was just <laughs> gesturing. Andrew, you the white house. Yes. Gesturing off into the evening. Once you once you clarified, I felt better. But yeah. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> no, that. just just that, like that. It's similar to like when I read poetry that really speaks to me. Just that that like opening up of my awareness, or that like gaining a little bit of like, oh, like there is this other stuff out here that I've either never noticed before, or, or like I've looked at this one particular way, and now I'm looking at it in a very very different way um and i get like my gratitude of just like you know that like i have i have this opportunity to do it that's like it's really like of the things that i've done this is one of the easier things of just like sitting down and talking with people for a while about a poet about a topic that i really really enjoy 
Um, so. Um, someone might have asked you this question before, and if so, you can tell me. Um, I don't, I'm, there's no way I'm going to remember that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> this is, this is my third season of doing this. Okay. I don't, I don't know what the hell I've talked about okay. in the previous part. There are a couple of stories that I know that I've told that I continue to reference, but mm -hmm. aside from that. So if you could interview any poet, living or dead, who would it be for this podcast? Ooh. Good question. Thanks, girl. Did it. This is my podcast now. This is now when the torch <laughs> has been passed. <laughs> um. Hmm. I would really love to. I I would have loved to have an opportunity to talk to, like the haiku masters. Hmm. Um. Especially Basho, because, like, he he radically changed the form of... Like, he, before... I mean, I'm pretty sure that there are other people that were writing like this when Basho was doing it, but he was the sort of, like, the primary figure in taking the opening line of a linked verse, like the Renga no, no Jitsu... No, uh, whatever it is. Um, the long linked verse, or the long linked um, poems that were that were performed as sort of like a party game. Okay. Um, he was instrumental in taking the opening stanza that set the tone and kind of set the season and all this stuff and making it it's something that could stand alone mm -hmm. as an act. So like when he when he would go out on his trips and he would write, he was composing possible first because like most of the time when he would go out and travel, he would be invited to like host these events. So he would keep you know, like, notations and journals of these are possible, like, first, like, first stanzas for these long poems that other people could link to. And then slowly started positioning them as, like, he published them as themselves and, like, said, that, like, you know, these things can have kind of merit on their own. Um, and I would be really interested to see if that was, like, a conscious decision on his part or just a sort of like natural progression of you know like I'm writing all these things they're good you know other people could read them or whatever um, do whatever they do with haiku um, but um, more uh, I guess more contemporary I would love to have either Jane Hirschfield or Mary Oliver on the podcast those are those were my guesses for you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, close second would be um, Beidou, Liang Li, or Charles Wright. Mm. Um, and I'm actually like, I'm working up the nerve to reach out to both Hirschfield and Oliver. Just do it. Um, I have a feeling Oliver would probably say no, just because she seems to be a little bit more uh, reclusive. But, like... Well, now she's not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> he means... Lovely. <laughs> he means eccentric. Wait, is that better? <laughs> no, she lovely. like. Okay, she generally She's like. Right. I feel like I've seen I've seen a lot fewer interviews with Oliver than with Hirschfield. Um, and I've actually Hirschfield has I don't know if she still does, but I gave her a copy of one of my books. Oh. Um, that was that was more that exchange or that interaction was a little more awkward than I wished it it would have been. <laughs> 
that every, that thought I think every day of my entire yes. life. Yes, yes. I was as you say that I was like, yep, <laughs> been there today and yesterday and this week on this podcast. <laughs> Okay, it's great though. <laughs> well, I mean, like me. one of one of my goals was of this was to capture as close to like an actual conversation. Like if something happened over here, a conversation between the three of us talking about poetry, what it would be like. And I feel like this is a pretty good, <laughs> pretty I, emblematic of. Yep. <laughs> Nailed it. It's actually a little bit put more put together. I, than I, <laughs> I was very polished. If we're being honest, <laughs> I tried really hard. <laughs> Oh, goodness. <laughs> I even read the questions ahead of time. Okay, Michelle didn't even get all the way through. I, you know, I did the first page, and then I realized what was happening. <laughs> yeah, well, I, said I, to, I said to just focus on the last page. Yeah, but wait, if you're going to give it to me all, like, I, I can't not read it. And then I was like, oh, gosh, these are hard. And then I read the last page, and I was like, oh, I see what he did there. And I just didn't finish. <laughs> well, Man, I was doing so well. It's okay. Edit this out. <laughs> for those for the listeners out there i was uh very very subtly shaking my head no super subtle <laughs> um okay i think this is probably gonna about do it for this episode um thank you both so much this is a very enjoyable way to spend almost three hours in a, in a night. Right. that's right um the first half hour of which talking about my my weird diet when I was a child, which will will probably wind up all in the podcast. Oh, good. Oh no, <laughs> you're gonna keep that whole beginning part. Uh, why not? Please don't. Okay. <laughs> Most of it's not good material, and people Most don't want to listen just... to thirty minutes of us just fucking around <laughs> talking about food, y'all. Or you could like splice it throughout, so it... no, that's a lot. Of fun. <laughs> Can you name this? Episode fairy boat. How do I spell it though? Fairy, F A I R Y. Okay, could I could I do fairy boat? Colin, the podcaster is dead. No, I still think that's too unsettling for people. <laughs> yeah, it's a little. It's your weight in the pocket, you know. Hmm. Bringing it back. Yeah. yeah. Practiced. Okay. Well, yeah. I guess. I guess this is this is fairy boat now. <laughs> You're thrilled. <laughs> I guess this is... Fuck it. I I lost all control. (laughs) (laughs) Michael really wants people to think he's dead for some reason. I'm very concerned. Well, I just... I wrote... I wrote... Very recently wrote a poem about um, if there's an effective way to be... To reduce oneself to being merely implied. Can I... Can I read that? I guess so. It sounds really depressing. I'm going to read it. Plan some kind of upswing when he's done. Okay. Uh oh. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> You're thinking of just horrible things, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I feel like we have similar anxiety. <laughs> okay. Why did your laptop turn orange? because uh, I have something on called flux that um, Oh like the nighttime thing? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. so it, it cuts down. It makes it easier to fall asleep if you are on the laptop That's super, smart. super late. I also have it on my phone. The uh, iPhones. Yeah, do my it. iPhone does it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, 
So I actually, I wrote this a couple of days ago, um, and I think it's the first of a series of poems that are uh, going to be an exploration of what it means, or an exploration of being agendered in a biologically male body. Because mm-hmm. um, that's something that has been on my mind a lot recently, and I have not done anything poetically with it. Um, yeah, so this is, this, is not, um, this is not an uplifting poem. All right, I have a good joke to tell. At the okay, end. okay, we will we will end on that joke. Okay. Um, okay, great. So we're gonna we're gonna go right from the poem into the joke. Uh, thank you. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> that's a terrible oh, idea. Yeah. Hard, you want, hard like, You really want that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh gosh, Michelle's gonna explode. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle will also die. Um, so that that will be the, <laughs> the sign. The podcast off. D is dead. <laughs> No one died. Yeah. <laughs> no, no one died this time. Um, so this, uh, the joke will be the sign off. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, everyone, for listening, um, and thank you for sticking through uh, this episode. Um, I will catch y'all for season or next episode for season or season three, episode seven. Um, get ready to feel sad and then happy. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'm a little confused. Yeah, that's what poetry's about. Um, so this is Knowing When to Stop. Dust from a missing panel of street, held in the air, and understood as cold. It is the ice that will gather here next cycle, same as... You're giving me a look like I haven't answered your question. What was it again? Oh. Yes. I apologize for having not talked more about my body. It is uninteresting. A white suburban neighborhood taking up the same amount of space, more or less, as anything else that would better serve the community at large. I am afraid I do not care for myself. I feel more kinship with my shadow, with the sound I dampen, with what I displace. Is there an effective way to reduce oneself to suggestion, to be merely implied, to be a cloud of pulverized road kicked up by a passing car? And vanished by the next. I have I have serious regrets about <laughs> telling him a joke now. Uh, what's what's the difference between a man in a suit on a bicycle, and a man in sweatpants on a unicycle? A tire. <laughs> <laughs> I got a story. Yeah. Double delay for me. Yes. Yeah, the two parts. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That was the best ending of a podcast episode I've ever had. <laughs>